Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. After a short, unexpected off-season by the podcast, we are back to catch up on everything that's happened with the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome back to the UK Rivers Podcast. My name is Gaz Paul and I'm once again joined by some friends who I met on the internet, James Ogden and Shane Richmond. We might also have an Ian Demain sighting later in the podcast. Um, that's a little teaser for the Ian Demain fans to hang on because um, he, he may appear and he may not. And if you hang around waiting for Ian and he doesn't appear, let me send my early apologies. Guys, how, how have things been? Shane, what's... Um, what's been going on in the last few weeks in our mini off season that we took? Uh, well, I've been touring um, South Asia with um, <laughs> Marlon Humphrey and and the guys, um, which was a lot of fun, as you can imagine. I'm sure it was. How about you, James? Anything that could top tour in South Asia? Yeah, I was forming the um, Ian Domain fan club, uh, <laughs> and I'm the chair and soul member. <laughs> Well, strap in. Let's see if you're going to get an Ian Devane sighting um, over the next um, hour or so. We'll see how much we've got to talk about and whether Ian joins us. Let's get straight into it. Um, before every show, we, we have a, a running show script. And before every show we get together, we update the show script. Um, the first thing on the show script um, from last episode, which was nearly four weeks ago now, was Lamar drama continues. Now, luckily for us to save a bit of time to get the recording going today, we didn't have to edit this section of the podcast because, James, the Lamar drama continues. I'm trying to think what what has possibly happened in the last three weeks. Let, let's think where we were. It just released the entire gym. Um, it, obviously, that this, the sales of that have been um, incredible, as we, as we all expected. Um, with Ken. With Ken, with my mate Ken, who is an agent slash isn't an agent, is his terrible business partner. Um, what's happened since then? It was, was it about a week after the podcast that Lamar announced that he actually wanted to be traded? Is, is that right in about the timeline, do you think? Yeah, I think that's about right. So Lamar wants uh, put in a trade request for early, early March or even late February. So that sat um, undercover for a while. Um, another thing... The the video never came out. The self interview that was, a, that was about what was happening last time we were we were talking. Lamar had done an interview with himself, um, and that video is still to surface. Um, James, what's your thoughts on on where we are with the Lamar situation at the minute? And um, I guess touch more so on, on on that trade request and what, if anything, that means. Yeah, I feel like we didn't get the interview because I feel like he he decided to drop that statement on Twitter while John Harper was talking at the press conference instead, <laughs> which is, which is fun, fun timing. Uh, just as Harper was saying, we love Labar. He's going to be here. He's, he's our quarterback. Um, yeah, that was funny. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. The trade request specifically was interesting because I didn't really think it got, I, I, for me, it wasn't, um, I'm, I'm not surprised that that was the case that he did that. Like it, it felt like that would have been a logical thing for him to do, um, to try and force the Ravens hand, uh, as part of negotiations. It feels like it probably happens more than we hear about in negotiations and has also happened in other negotiations where it's, it's sort of been a thing before. You know, it's clearly, you know, the Debo Samuel situation, um, where he uh, asked for a trade during negotiations for his contract and then stayed with the, with the 49ers. So. 
I, I it wasn't a thing that sort of panicked me particularly. Um, I felt like it was just sort of part of the negotiation process. Um, and I still think it probably is part of the negotiation process. I, you know, I, it feels like the Ravens have not sort of uncommitted to Lamar. I think the mo- like we'll get onto it, but I think the money they played, paid Odell Beckham tends to suggest that they're, they're definitely still committed to Lamar Jackson and, and looking to try and keep him in the fold. So it, it doesn't, it feels like at the moment, the Ravens probably aren't willing to, to sort of honor that trade request. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily that, that sort of concrete by Lamar. I think it'll be interesting to see how this continues to play out. If you know, we all forget, like he, he made that trade request before he realized he had absolutely no, <laughs> no market, um, from, from teams on, from teams trying to get him on the, uh, non-exclusive franchise tag. So it, it's an interesting one. I, like I said, I, I wasn't particularly panicked by the trade. It felt, felt normal. Um, I, you know, it, it, it will be the avenue I think that they end up using if they do end up moving on from him. But at the moment, it doesn't feel like they're willing to move on. It feels like they're willing to try, um, and maybe even have him play on the tag for a year, which we, we discussed in the last episode at length. Shane, what do you, what do you think about the, the market that Lamar's received? It's obviously lower than what he expected. And, and how do you think other teams are dealing with that? I had a few friends ask me over the, over the last few weeks about where I think the Lamar thing's going, what's going to happen. And as it, as it stands, like the Ravens are, 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 the, are still the one of the 32 teams that are, are the ones that are like, we want Lamar Jackson to be on this team. We, we love Lamar. We want Lamar. Everyone else still just sort of seems to be taking that, that, that step back. And, and does that help us with this negotiation a little bit? I mean, it, it's, it probably doesn't in a weird way because I think both sides were kind of hoping that somebody else would make some sort of offer so that Lamar would have some sense of what else he could demand from the Ravens and the Ravens would be able to say, look, this is what the league considers you to be worth. No response at all is probably the worst case scenario for both because it doesn't move them forward. I think that's probably why they did the non-exclusive tag because they were hoping that it would move things forward. It seems as though the rest of the league, there's a whole stack of things going on. Nobody wants to give um, the completely guaranteed contract. So that's one of the things. Lots of teams seem to think that the Ravens are just going to match it anyway. So they see it as kind of a waste of time. There's this whole issue of if you, as soon as you offer the deal, the Ravens have seven days to match it. And during those seven days, you have to have the cap space on your cap. So, it's, it's probably less of a less of a, a problem now, but during the early days of free agency, they needed that cap space, so probably nobody wanted to give it up. Um, I've heard various observers saying they've spoken to people around the league who are worried about his durability and the injuries, and there's the usual kind of nonsense around, you know, if you play the kind of game he plays, then you'll get hurt. And we know, obviously, the last couple of years of injuries have happened in the pocket. Um but on top of that, there are some teams who are worried that just he's not bulky enough to withstand the kind of hits he's going to get even in the pocket. So it seems like there's a whole stack of things and teams can kind of pick and choose which ones they want to apply. And then I also think there's the fact that the the desperate pull out all the stops to land your quarterback race was last year's thing. And everybody has moved on. Like the insane teams that were in that race have either got their quarterback in the case of the clowns or they have decided like 
the the Falcons and the Panthers and whoever else, they thought, yeah, maybe that wasn't actually the best approach. Perhaps we need a new plan. So I think it's, and obviously you can throw in the collusion thing if you really want to, but I don't think we need to go that far. I think I think any team that's that's staying out of it can pick two or three or more of those reasons, and they're all good reasons to go, yeah, let's do something else. Obviously, if he was a complete free agent, if the whole issue of the tag wasn't uh, wasn't there, I think it would be very different, and he probably would have had two or three offers by now, but the tag complicates it for teams, and then there's a whole load of other stuff. James, just as a heat test, where, where are you at the moment on... Um, where Lamar Jackson is at the moment in terms of playing for the Ravens next season and moving forward and how do you think the the next few weeks and draft night looks I believe if he doesn't sign his tag before Thursday he then can't be traded during the draft or some sort of strange rule but due, due to the tag that he's going to be on well so he couldn't It's the, the tag rules are quite um, the tag rules are quite clear about sort of so i think there's a rule on the non-exclusive franchise tag that you can't be traded um for more than the co- while you're on the tag you can't be traded for more than the compensation the team would have got on the tag so if the ravens wanted to get more than two first round picks for him they wouldn't be able to do that while he's on the tag but you can circumvent that because you could sign a deal with the ravens technically and then get traded Right. Um, so you could organize a thing. The the thing with the non-exclusive franchise tag is that um once the first round gets underway, it's not it's it basically if you if you decide to sign into a tender the non-exclusive franchise tag, you'll give up your next two first round picks. So if you've made your first round pick, you'll give up your twenty-four and twenty-five first round pick rather than your twenty-three and twenty-four first round pick. So there's probably is there probably may be some teams that are thinking about it after the draft. Like it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's some for any fans of the office. There's some PFN potential future nonsense out there at the moment about uh, some of the QBs in this draft and where they're going to go. And supposedly Houston aren't going to take a QB at two. I just I still can't. I'll be absolutely flabbergasted if they don't take CJ Stroud or Anthony. Well, I would take Anthony Richardson at two. Um, so I'd be I'd be very surprised if they don't take a QB, but maybe they don't, and then they're in the Lamar sweepstakes. Maybe Indianapolis doesn't, and they're in the Lamar sweepstakes again. It, it's interesting. I feel at the moment you you asked me what my confidence level is at this point for next season. Um, I feel probably eighty percent confident that he's going to play on the tag next year. I think that's what what he's going to play out. And um, don't forget, he can't sign a long term deal after sometime in July. Um, at that point, he has to either play on the tag or not. I think he'll report. I think he'll play um, on the tag, uh, and I think I think that's where we're headed. That seems to be where we're sort of careering towards. I just can't see anything else really happening at this point. You know, if if someone signs him to a to a tender, that I still think the Ravens will match it at this point, and I can't see a situation where the Ravens are going to trade him, and they've just paid. Odell Beckham a lot of money to come and play here for a year. Just, I'd be absolutely, I'd be very surprised if anything other than Lamar playing on the tag next year happens at this point. Shane, how about you? Yeah, I think the same pretty much. I mean, there's been these various theories. I think people are just trying to keep the conversation going at this stage. So there's the latest one is like he went out and demanded the Ravens get Beckham and Hopkins and then they could talk. I don't think any of that is going on. Lamar has said that he wants more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson 
the Ravens don't want to pay that much and neither side is moving. And that's where we are. And until something makes one of the sides move, I don't really know what's going to change. I just don't, you know, and I think that the, the, we'll talk about the Jalen Hurts deal in a bit, but I think the Jalen Hurts deal strengthens the Ravens case. That's just everyone is pretending the Deshaun Watson thing didn't happen. And Lamar can say, well, you can pretend all you like, but it did happen. So they're, they're just going to be in this complete standoff. So I think the most likely thing is we go through this whole season with Lamar drama, drama continues at the top of the show script, and then we're back here in another <laughs> year's time to see if they can make any more progress from there. Um, I'm, the longer this goes on, I don't know. That, I think he might end up signing. I've just got this strange feeling that something's going to happen. The the Ravens are, are clearly they look like the losing face in the public eye, but um, I can't think which podcast it was. Someone was talking about how the Ravens don't care about how they look to the press, how they look in the public eye. All they care about is that negotiation with Lamar Jackson, and they will they're willing to lose the battle with the media as long as. The battle that the win is the one that gets Lamar Jackson to sign a contract. So we're going to get into it in a second. But yes, overpaying probably for Odell Beckham, talking about bringing Hopkins in. All things that they're doing, the Ravens, as I've already said, are the only team that are still out there saying, we love Lamar Jackson, we want Lamar Jackson to play for this team. I think once the, once the draft's gone and, and the dust settle, I, I can I can sort of see um, a deal coming. So for me, who three months ago was sort of adamant that we'd never see Lamar Jackson play another game for the Ravens. I'm, I'm almost sort of, sort of coming around to the idea, and I think that's because of the the poor market that is faced going into this sort of weird, I'm a free agent, um, non-exclusive franchise tag um, thing. So we'll see. We'll see how, how that goes. Um, Odell Beckham then. Um, James, a slight overpay, a large overpay, um, but when you... If that money turns into Lamar Jackson signing a contract, it's all worth it at the end of the day, do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a slight overpay. I don't think it's a huge overpay when you look at the, where the wide receiver market's gone. I don't, I don't I don't think this is a massive overpay. It does feel like a slight overpay. I'm I, I'm not wild about I'm not wild about the player he is now. Um, he's obviously been a phenomenal wide receiver i i, I th- this move makes sense amidst other moves for me like if they draft another wide receiver early and i probably mean first round pick or if they trade for a deandre hopkins then it makes a bit more sense to me um you're obviously sinking an awful lot of um salary into that position the thing that makes me nervous a little bit um and maybe, you know, most people would accuse me of not sort of not taking enough risks. But m- the thing that makes me nervous is those void years um, and how they're going to affect the Ravens down the line if they don't sign Odell to a long, to a, a slightly longer deal to avoid those void years later on. So that that could be a challenge for them going forward. Um, but I, I think I'm probably on the whole and with you guys, which is um, – Good to inject some veteran leadership into this offensive meeting room. Some veteran leadership that's won a Super Bowl, um, a talented receiver, and a guy that clearly is held in high regard by Lamar, and could be a uh, you know a route to getting him to sign a contract. And if that is the case, then it will be money well spent, I think, because I do feel it's probably only a slight overpay. Um, so 
all in all, I'm I'm reasonably like I'm I'm kind of a bit agnostic about the deal, to be honest. I'm not like up in arms about it and I'm not over the moon happy about it. It just feels like um uh yeah, a move to to placate Lamar. And so as well as that shame, we've had uh, Nelson Aguilar sign, so we'll sort of tie these all in together now. Um the revamped wide receiver room that we were promised is now looking like 30-year-old Odell Beckham. Somehow tw- only 29-year-old Nelson Aguilar. I'd have said he had two, three years on Odell, but um, 29-year-old Nelson Aguilar. Um, potentially 30-year-old um, DeAndre Hopkins. Is this the uh, revamped wide receiver room you was expecting going into the offseason? From the Ravens, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that uh, this is the thing. It's not It's not going out and getting Tyreek Hill for the Dolphins. It's not Stefan Diggs for the Bills. But then were the Ravens ever going to do that? I mean, they really don't. I mean, I know that they've, they've probably given Beckham slightly more money than most people would have, but they've never really put that much value on wide receiver. They clearly, you know, they know that um, Mark Andrews is going to be the number one target, so they're not going to necessarily shift that. Um, if Bateman comes back um, from injury week one, then he is wide receiver one. So there's no going out to shift that either. So they are sort of shuffling things around a bit lower down. I mean, my worry really is that at the moment, the, the top three are Bateman, Beckham and Duvernay, all three of whom are coming off injury. And I think that's the thing that concerns me the most. The list Frank injury that Bateman has got can be a really tricky one to recover from, particularly the season afterwards. Um, Beckham, I mean, I was surprised just before we started recording to, to see that Beckham has only played one full season of games in the last six years. It was 2016 was the last time he had like a, a steady run of games. Um, and 2016 was like a lifetime ago. It was before the pandemic. We had a completely different monarch. I think we've had 40 prime ministers since then, something <laughs> like that. Um, so it was a, a complete lifetime ago. So he's, You've got to wonder about his durability a little bit. Um, and Nelson Aguilar is, I mean, he's a guy who plays wide receiver, I suppose. So there's that, but, um, he's had one good season in his, in his career to date, uh, which doesn't make him tremendously exciting, but at least, um, he had the full complement of ACLs last year and was playing football. So I suppose that's something we should count in his favor. Um, but as James says, I think there's going to be a rookie who's going to come in as well. Um, so we have to kind of hope Bateman comes back fit and then you've got Andrews, Bateman and a collection of other guys who give defences something to think about at wide receiver. The 2016 season, which uh, we believe was the last time that Odell Beckham was healthy for full season, Ravens fans will remember as um, Odell Beckham went off for 222 yards against your Baltimore Ravens. So um, six, six years down the line and um, a recovered ACL or a regrown ACL. Um, maybe we'll we'll see those similar results from Odell Beckham. Before we get into the no ACL sort of ACL thing, James, um, any hot takes on Nelson Aguilar or just a an, an okay addition to um, a what's going to be a veteran led wide receiver room? Yeah, I think it's fine. I think in the context of the of the Odell Beckham ad and hopefully the something else they're going to do to that receiver room. As I mentioned, I think Aguilar is fine. Like, it, you, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably low risk thing for them to bring in a guy who, you know, a couple of seasons ago um, was reasonably sought after. Um, it's worth, worth a punt on him really at this point. 
um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. It feels like a low risk, low level deal as long as it's as part of a wider rebuild that we've talked about. So, um, Biscotti has reportedly said that Odell was that signing is part of them trying to make it right with Lamar, which all ties it into a nice bow. Um, Shane, before we get off this, the, this ACL, you were explaining this to me before the podcast. Um, it was reported that he played with no ACL and then in the Super Bowl tore his ACL that didn't exist. Can you just yeah, so he like he six. phrased it really weirdly in the press conference, <laughs> and there was um, some one of these um, Twitter doctors whose name I've forgotten uh, broke it down very helpfully on social media and was saying that either he had had his ACL repaired and and then hurt it again and not realised, or the repair had not been successful and he hadn't realised. Basically, it seems like the the ACL is just one of the things that that helps to keep your knee stable. Obviously, there are other ligaments, but also there's the muscles around your knee. And if you really strengthen uh, your hamstring, for example, you can keep the knee very stable. Um, so he could have played with uh, what the guy described as an incompetent ACL. So basically an ACL that wasn't doing any kind of job to stabilize his knee. And that only became a problem in the Super Bowl where he made a cut where his hamstring or whatever else was supporting his knee failed didn't quite hold him up and the acl didn't provide any stability either and then he went over and that's when he really damaged the acl and realized he was hurt so he essentially was playing without realizing his acl wasn't doing anything as far as i can tell um but there was so i i kind of gave the impression he was last fully fit in 2016 but he did play the whole of the 2019 season with todd munkin so there's that kind of there's that connection there that maybe they can resume. And the other thing I would say in his defense, I suppose, is that from the Ravens' point of view, there's not really anyone else they could have gone out and got for the same amount of money who's better. So, you know, for me sort of saying it's typical Ravens move, and it kind of is, but it's not as if they'd sort of passed up on a bunch of really good free Asian wide receivers to come out with Beckham. And so they are they're obviously either looking at it from the Steve Bichotti view of we're trying to make Lamar really excited about coming and playing for us this season, ideally through re-signing a contract. But if it's on the tag, they want him to be excited about that. They don't want him to be annoyed about that. Um, or you can look at the Ravens saying, well, all we can really be sure of is that we've got Lamar for two more seasons. So we'd better do everything we can to try and win while we've got him. Because if he walks away in two years as a free agent, things look pretty grim as to where the next QB is coming from. So Either way, I mean, you know, the Ravens took the only move available to bring in uh, a strong-looking wide receiver, short of trading for somebody which they don't really have the capital to do. It's not like they couldn't fit Voidiers and all this. They could fit Hopkins under the cap somehow if they had to. But it's just a question of what you would trade for him. I mean, there's only there's only so many Patrick Queens you can give people, and they haven't got the, the draft picks to play around with. So... Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, I kind of gave the impression that I was, that they were sort of lowballing us somehow as a fan base by giving us Beckham. But I do think in their defense, that was probably about as good as they can do. It's just, it's, it's pretty classic Ravens to kind of go out in shopping for a wide receiver in a year when there were just none available. There were, there were reports that they had a trade framework in place for Colin Sutton and that that fell through and then they pivoted to Beckham at this, at that point. And, and that would have been, that would have been really interesting to get in at Colin Sutton. That's 
probably not quite the same level of a Stefan Diggs move, but it's a you know it's a it's a it would have been an interesting move with an ascending young wide receiver. Um, I think you're right, Shane. For me, it was Odell Beckham was the non-trade prize out there, um, and and so they they clearly focused on him. That was why they clearly didn't really move any other position or make any other moves. They really were focused on getting on getting Beckham, well, getting someone through the door originally, Sutton, and then and then pivoting to Beckham. But they clearly courted him for a while, actually, Beckham. So I think he was probably on the radar, regardless. They might have been trying to get both of them, actually. Yeah, they said they started talking to Beckham last October. Um, so they were obviously talking to him through the end of last season. It'd be really interesting to know what they were planning to trade for Sutton. Because like I say, beyond Patrick Queen, what else do they have that they could offer? Like the, that's the, you know, a player who's surplus, a pick that someone would really want. They're not going to give up the first round pick because they've got so few picks this year. It's very hard to get people excited about 20, 2024 picks right before the 2023 draft don't know what they could have offered so i don't know whether that's why it fell through because the you know in in the end they just weren't able to offer enough to kind of surprise certain away i don't know interesting um i always thought it's, it's an odd one this odell beckham thing because i remember the lsu days and um going to the browse i always thought Jarvis landry made more sense as a raven like uh, a slot guy like middle he was that like possession receiver where you you got him the ball quickly and, and he did the rest of the work so i wonder if that's gonna be like a, a late pre-training camp ad all of a sudden javis landry gets thrown in there as well to um to make the uh, wide receiver room even older uh, <laughs> bring that average age up. probably sean bateman's gonna be like just in this room with loads of dudes that are like 10 years older than him like it's, it's, it's a whole different generation he's gonna have nothing in common with these guys so he's either gonna make him a um a professional is going to drag him into professionalism quickly or he's just going to be sort of out doing the the wide receiver club nights on his own and they're all going to be tucked up in bed with a with a horlicks um okay let's see if we get any signs of jarvis landry um nothing else really out there i mean how the steelers managed to swap two sevens and get alan robinson which feels like some sort of steelers only steel steelers only steel We'll see, but not something that the Ravens can do. Shane, what do you think about, before we really get off um, Lamar, sort of Odell's titles. Number three, by the way, sorry, fashion tweets, if no one's noticed what um, number Odell's played in. It was a, um, there was a, a thought it might be the first Ravens playing zero, because that's now a thing you can do. Um, but number three for Odell Beckham, it's, you can't, listen to UK Ravens podcast without getting the jersey number. Um, so before we really get off, well, we're never really going to get off Lamar. I'm sure we're going to find out a way that the M&T Bank partnership is going to link into Lamar Jackson signing the contract. Um, but the big one here is Jalen Hurts. He signs this um, mega deal, which somehow all the deals managed to make the players the highest played play, highest paid player at their position, but all in various different ways. There must be eight different ways you can be the highest paid player. Um, so Jalen Hurts is the next person to become the highest paid player. Um, how do you think that affects Lamar's negotiation, if any, or is he is he just a, on on his own? Obviously, he doesn't have an agent like um, Jalen Hurts does. How how does this all tie into the Ravens? Well, I think it it probably helps the Ravens somewhat because it is another deal that ignores the Deshaun Watson deal. So um, it's I mean, if you're a quarterback, not only 
can you be the highest paid player of the position? You basically become the highest paid player in NFL history because you are just, you know, you're playing a position that's paid so much more than everybody else. But the, the really crazy thing is that again, depending on how you stack it up, that Jalen Hurts deal is not actually as good as the one that the Ravens were offering Lamar last autumn. So like, it's typically these deals kind of go up one on top of the other. The next one is always slightly better than the one before. And that's why, you know, there was plenty of people confused after, um, uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl that Joe Flacco suddenly became the highest paid player in the league. And everyone was like, why is he highest paid? Cause he's next. That's just, that's just how it works. He got the next biggest contract. Um, but the Jalen Hurts one hasn't advanced really from from what the Ravens were offering to Lamar last October. And I think that kind of demonstrates that it just isn't what Lamar is after. And like you say, you can measure this by all sorts of different yardsticks. And the one that Lamar wants is he wants more guaranteed money at signing than Deshaun Watson got. Um He doesn't want it. The whole contract doesn't have to be guaranteed is what reporters are saying it can be you can pay him a dollar of unguaranteed money above the Deshaun Watson deal and he would probably sign it but that's the that's the only number that seems to be moving him so on the one hand the Ravens can say well look clearly nobody is following that path like you know we're not we're not being um unreasonable or unfair no team is going to follow the uh the Watson deal and give you a deal slightly better than that but then Lamar can say well He's that you can't pretend that deal doesn't exist because it does exist. And I want a better deal than that one. So I think it just continues the standoff. That's the, that's the frustrating thing because Lamar doesn't have to give in. Of course he can, he can do what he wants. So there's no, there's no way to kind of convince somebody through argument that, that they should or shouldn't sign a contract. I think the difference is with Lamar because he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have somebody there who would be talking him into it. I mean, it's not necessarily. This is one of those instances where you could say, if you're Lamar, that the agent isn't necessarily acting in your best interest because the agent wants to get the deal on the books. They want to get their percentage coming through and they want to move on to to doing the next guy's contract. So they would be very tempted to say, look, this is a good deal. Sign it. Then we can move on. Um, Lamar doesn't have anybody in his camp prodding him to do that. So he's going to stick with it. Um, and, and actually, have less money at least over the next couple of years that's the that's the daft thing but he's just he's very very fixed on this idea of more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson it's it's really interesting especially they've seen the backlash of um the Jalen Hurts contracts come out and then the talks about well it's, it's happened because as you say because Jalen Hurts has got an agent and Lamar's not getting anywhere because he hasn't got an agent well, Lamar has actually negotiated a better contract without an agent, so yeah. So, so that's sort of that's sort of in in his court there of like everyone's saying he needs an agent. Well, actually, no. Lamar did negotiate a better deal than that, um, and I think you're right with what you're saying in terms of the agent just wants wants to to move on to the onto the next one, and it's um, it, it's tough to it's tough to tell um, what's going to happen with that just with i don't know what I, I i keep swinging back and forth about where i feel about lamar having or not having an agent because i do feel like had he got having it had an agent this deal would have been and signed out of the way but 
Lamar's Lamar's holding on and actually in a way that the more Lamar holds at this point, continuing to 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 live on this sort of year to year basis, if Joe Burrow signs this offseason, which may happen, they're, they're in talks. I mean, the Jalen Hurts thing, I think it was about three weeks ago, was it? Was it the combine that the um, Eagles said, well, we're, we're talking to Jalen Hurts about his contracts and three weeks later it's signed. If, if Joe Burrow goes this year, that, that everything shifts again and Lamar might be sat here in 12 months time and we might be sat here as you say, it's almost time to talk about this. And all of a sudden everything shuffled up 20 to 30 million quid because he's, he's letting people go in front of him. And James, is this some, actually some sort of weird master negotiating tactic from Lamar? Um, I, I, I think it was, I think it was smarter than people give him credit for um, in the early days. I think the issue now is he's in a situation where if Burrow and Herbert, if they, if the two of them sign, not get, if they, if the two of them sign for similar deals to what Jalen Hurts has got or just a bit over, it, it then becomes a kind of, well, now you're just the standard bearer and there's no one on the island with you. You just stood there on your own and you're not getting paid. And, and the other issue for me is, I think I said this on the last um, podcast, like he's, he is now on the non-exclusive franchise tag. So he is now losing money. Like he could be getting paid 51 million annual value um, in the same way that Jalen Hurts is. And he's not, he's getting paid, what, 38, I think it is. So he's now losing money. Um, so I think it probably, in the early days, I did feel like it was a bit of a master sort of master plan. But the Ravens have countered, and and Lamar doesn't really have any – unless he's – if I was him at this point, he really should be talking to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. <laughs> like, if, the, if this is going to work, they're going to have to lock arms and stand together. Um, and, it, and if they don't, Lamar's going to be left on an island, and he's going to be losing money while risking – you know, while risking himself on one-year contracts, which just doesn't... I hope at some point someone would get in his ear and say, like, what? Like, it's not worth it now. Like, this is... No one's no one's standing with you. You may as well now get paid for what you owe, what you're owed, like, for what you for the way you've played. So I hope someone at some point sort of gets in his camp and starts talking to him about what's, what's best for him because it, it feels like this could quickly start to... If something happens with Borough and Herbert over this off season that isn't that isn't over that guarantees that that Deshaun Watson got, then then you're sort of looking at Lamar and saying, "What? Why are you doing this now, mate? Just get well, your my, money." My time of thinking Lamar is playing this smart and he knows what he's doing ended with the entire gym. I'm afraid that was the point <laughs> when I when I looked at it and thought, "Oh no, he really doesn't know what he's doing, does he?" That like was genius really, marketing, wasn't it, Shane? I mean, it's like, the, you know, the, this is the thing people have pointed out. You know, he's you've got um, Mahomes, who's advertising major insurance companies, and you've got, um, what's his name from the Rams, endorsing a pizza company. And Lamar is like, yeah, but I've, I've like, got to cut. I'm like, I'm in as a founder of this thing. Yeah, but 50% of nothing is nothing, dude. Like, it's not. <laughs> I've like, got it's, some dumbbells in a suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you'd be lucky to get it on the home shopping channel. I don't understand what you think. You'd. So that was the point when I thought, I'm really not sure he does know what he's doing at all. But I think that he's, I saw somebody on social media, and again, I can't remember who it was, who had pointed out, you can trace this all the way back. Like, it's possible that if Lamar had had an agent from the outset, 
he would have gone top 10 in the draft because he would have had somebody who was calling around and talking him up and getting teams interested. He might never have fallen to the Ravens, which obviously would would be bad for us. But in terms of how much money not having an agent has cost him, you could trace it all the way back to the draft and say that he's been leaving money on the table all along, which is entirely fine like there you know there are players who don't have agents and a part of that is because money's not their main motivation they know they're going to make enough and they're fine with that Lamar seems to want to make some sort of a point about how much he's worth and getting what he deserves but it's entirely possible that he could have had a lot more money by this point if he played things a little bit smarter I mean it's not just on the field either it's as you say it's off the field I mean you look at like um, at home with Baker Mayfield. He was a he like he wasn't even a good quarterback and had this <laughs> amazing like amazing advertising deal. And um, you've got Mahomes out there doing stuff. You've got Burrow out there doing stuff. And Lamar's, I mean, he's he's, he's got I think he's got a signature range with the Oakley, but I think that's sort of tied into his playing anyway. I think that's come through his um, playing merits, not through an agent going out. But how much money has he missed out on on those? huge commercial opportunities that so it, it's, it's bigger than just what it is and isn't making on the field. And I mean, Shane, you sort of joke, joked about it, but James, you ended your saying you wish there was someone in your ear giving him advice. The problem is the person in his ear giving him advice is Ken, Ken and his um, suitcase gym. And he's, he's sort of, not only has he not got an agent, he's surrounding himself with the wrong people and Obviously, I, I love my mum just as much as anyone else loves their mum, but I wouldn't want her to negotiate a professional football contract for me because she just put, oh, I like this team. <laughs> um, and I just think, like, someone, someone needs to rattle, even if it's not... I mean, I, I guess the NFLPA are part of it, but the NFLPA, again, they, they're, they're, they're under the blanket of acting for Lamar, but the NFLPA want every contract, every player to have a fully guaranteed contract. So they're prodding him in the back saying, fully guaranteed, Lamar, you really should have fully guaranteed. And you just need someone in there just just to, maybe us, maybe we should all take him out for dinner, shake him about and say, <laughs> $51 million, sat, write your name on this piece of paper and take home $51 million for the next three years guaranteed. Like this is, this is this is getting ridiculous now and part of it is that we don't we don't really know what it is that he wants and now that he's apparently he can't even get an even he can't get an interview with lamar jackson at this point so um (laughs) we we aren't going to figure out what it is that he wants so perhaps he he is acting entirely in accordance with a plan of his own and his own values and he's following that through but the longer it goes on and the more kind of twists and turns this whole thing takes, the harder it is to fit some sort of plan and go, oh, yeah, it makes sense if you're trying to do this. Because at this stage, it's hard to see what it is that he could be doing where this is the best thing, this is the best plan. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, if what would you have to be trying to achieve if this was your plan A? And I'm not really sure what that is anymore. Uh, and as I say, the entire gym is not helping to convince me that somebody is working on plan A here. I mean, this um, this conversation has really just alarmed me to, it's something that's gone unnoticed about how few, like, endorsement deals Lamar's got. I mean, he's he was, 
the MVP, but he was he's, he's the highest rushing quarterback. He's got the 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 record for for quarterback rush yards. Could he, any of you tell me what shoe he wears? Does he wear Adidas? Does he wear Nike? Like Cam Newton had his own shoe. Is not even the player Lamar is. I, I couldn't tell you what shoe he wears. I, I know he wears an Oakley visor because he's endorsed by Oakley. But other than that, like I just don't. I just don't know. It's yeah. It, and for a while, I was just thinking, well. You know, the, the the story people said was that he's just so football focused, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. And you just think, well, that's fine. That's that's okay then if he doesn't. But then he comes out with like, this plan that he's been working on with Ken. It's like, well, he's obviously got some sort of idea that he's some sort of got some kind of business endorsement thing going, but it just seems to be really bad. I don't even understand, like, how are you supposed to lift that thing if it's got the entire gym in it? Like, don't you have to get it into your car at some point? I know it's on wheels, but I just I don't get it at all. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see the shots of all the team getting on the bus and like the the, the underneath of the bus owner yeah. the man dragging dragging the gym off into the locker room. Well, <laughs> apparently this is the thing. Obviously, again, that sort of undermined the professionalism of the the outfit was like the the first anybody had heard of Ken was that the league wrote to all these teams saying, don't talk to this guy Ken's called an Ken. an idiot. Don't yeah. talk to Ken. <laughs> if Ken rings up trying to negotiate on behalf of Lamar Jackson, don't talk to him because you're going to get fined and we'll take draft picks away if you do. And then Lamar said, no, he's nobody's been negotiating on my behalf, which was a non-denial denial because nobody said that he'd been negotiating. They just said, you can't negotiate with him. But they did say that he'd been calling teams and asking for something. So he could have been calling teams about Lamar Jackson and not, you know, you can sort of define that and say, well, he wasn't negotiating. He was just calling them up and saying Lamar would like a chat. But then when they finally interviewed Ken about this, he was saying he was calling them to try and pitch them on the the entire gym. Pretty sure they've got gyms, Ken. Like they're, they're billion yeah, dollar operations. You're underestimating Shane. Maybe this was Lamar's innovation. Maybe, you know, after four years of working with Steve Saunders, he was like, a suitcase can do this job better. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps that was that was that was the moment that the light bulb went on for Lamar. Like, oh my God. I've been thinking about this all wrong. I need to ring Ken. <laughs> Anyway, that wraps up another um, episode of the Lamar Jackson Contracts podcast, which had we started that 18 months, we would have had um, a decent chunk of episodes by now. Um, we've talked, we've, we've touched on it, but just before we get off the news and start looking a little bit ahead to the draft, um, DeAndre Hopkins, it seems like a thing. Um, Adam Pacman jones who's now a semi-regular on the Pat McAfee show, who's um, in um, direct communication with DeAndre Hopkins, um, came out this as early as might have even today and said there's there's a strong chance that um, DeAndre Hopkins ends with the Ravens. Do, do we what what would we actually think of this side? And we've sort of joked about it throughout the podcast, saying it, it's going to be a really old receiver room. Is does DeAndre Hopkins add anything that we sort of don't already have? Is he still the is he still that A one talent, or does it maybe even? Um, does Odell looking for targets and Hopkins looking for targets maybe even hurt Bateman's development? What do you, what do you think of that, James? Possibly. I think uh, the thing with Hopkins is we just don't really know what he is at this point because he had the the suspension. I think I think he was yeah. suspended at the start of the season. P- so PDs. Yeah, and he didn't 
He didn't really show too much when he came back, but Calamari wasn't there. So we kind of don't know what you would get with with Hopkins at this point. It could definitely have the potential to stunt Bateman's development. Um, but I, I also think at this point in time, you know, I would, they really do need to be, as Shane mentioned, like all of these receivers are coming off injuries. So you probably do want to get a bit more of a reliable option or at least someone that you know is going to be healthy at the start of the season. So it, it feels like they need the depth. Like we, we, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where, where my beloved James Brochet is, uh, is, is, is starting, um, uh, you know, in the slot or out wide for the Ravens. So I, it feels like that, that might be a necessity to get another. I do think it is a necessity to get another guy. I think at this point I would probably go through the draft. Um, cause I, I like some of these receivers and, and there is a chance that some of them are going to be available, uh, where the Ravens pick. So I think that's, uh, that's, a that's where I would go. I think at this point now. Shane, do you think that's the mentality now with, with sort of news? We're so close to the draft now. You rarely see teams making trades before the draft. You sort of want to go into the draft with your fun tokens, see where you are on, um, at the end of night one. Obviously the Ravens don't, um, have a pick in the second round. Um, but you're almost then, once that, that pick's made on night one, it, it, do you then think the Ravens are looking ahead at those third the third round pick and saying, well, do we like anything here or do we like DeAndre Hopkins more? Yeah, I would have thought so. I, I mean, I suppose you might see a repeat of the Marquise Brown trade just going the other way. The draft kind of opens up with uh, um, the, the Cardinals sending a receiver to the Ravens for some reason. But it's like I was saying about the, the the Sutton trade, it's kind of hard to the it's hard to know what what it is that the Ravens have in order to leave a Hopkins away. So I think I mean it's it's Michael Lombardi, I think, who was putting around this story that Lamar said to the Ravens, go and get Beckham and Hopkins and we'll talk. And then Lombardi said that the Ravens said we can't get both of them, but we'll go and get Beckham. I don't know how true that is, but it certainly seems logical that the Ravens wouldn't be able to land both of those guys. And this close to the draft, you kind of feel like they've probably done what they want to do with bringing in veterans. And, you know, maybe now is the time to get the draft picks and then see who's left. Um, as you say, Jarvis Landry is still out there as a free agent. He will still be out there after the draft, I imagine. So you could add him if you really wanted to. So, so yeah, I'd be very surprised if there's anything more to this. And I think the Ravens can probably, they've got more of an urgent need to fill a cornerback if they want to go into the draft with no gaps whatsoever. Um, and usually that's what they want to do. But wide receiver seems to be kind of taken care of for now. And you can come back to it. For, for some sort of free agent talent if you really want to after the draft. Um, M&T Bank Partnership Extended. We've, we've got this one strapped onto the back of the news. And, but I don't think we should take this for granted. In a, in a world where um, Heinz Field is now Akrashore Stadium, is that right? It's something like that. Something, some odd name. Um, the bank lives on until 2037. Um, just a, a nice little note that... We don't have to worry about um, some sort of weird insurance company coming and taking over and having to to rename our stadium. Um, any hot takes on the M and T Bank partnership extended? Um, yeah, Lamar. Lamar apparently said, "Go and get M and T Bank, and then we'll talk." Um, 
And so they were like, well, we've got him for 15 years, Lamar. Is that, is that going to be all right? Um, although, I mean, the, weirdly, the Ravens tweet said in the text, it said there's a 10 year deal. And then on the graphic, it said it was a 15 year deal. It's so it could be five, five year void ex- years. 10 year extension on top of the five years that was, re- uh, that were remaining. I see. So on. it's not a mistake. It is actually correct. Yeah, so so unveiling the new, the entire gym stadium in Baltimore. <laughs> 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 I think there is a lot to be said for not. You know, the, your stadium having the same name for a long period of time is quite a nice thing to to be able to do. And it's kind of annoying when stadiums keep changing their names. Um, I read, I think there's only three stadiums that are, I think FedEx Field. I can't get the other two off the top of my head. But yeah, it, it, there's only three stadiums that have had the name longer than um, M&T Bank at this point. Everything has now had a, um, a, new, a new deal come in. Yeah, first time after. I went, it was uh, it was PSI Net Stadium. It's the first time I went, and and also just then you know enjoying. Yeah, obviously now it's no longer Heinz Field; it's Acrosure Stadium mm-hmm. is now in Pittsburgh, <laughs> which is just a terrible name. Acrosure yeah. Stadium. Cool. Um, around the league, um, Clay's Campbell. Well, very quickly, Cam Newton says he'd be willing to back up Lamar Jackson. I think we. 49 minutes in. I don't think we can do any more conversation on Lamar Jackson. And whether Cam Newton is willing to back up Lamar Jackson or not is not going to because we've got Tyler Huntley here and I'm happy with that. Tyler Huntley is just um, Cam Newton but younger and without the silly hats. Um, Calais Campbell signs with Atlanta. James, a bit of an odd one here. You, you Calais Campbell, you're, you come into the, um, the twilight of your career. Um, you either want to sort of go home and play for your home team or really you want to go chasing a ring. Um, the Atlanta Falcons seem like an odd move here for Calais Campbell. I thought, I thought the, the rumors that we're going back to the Jags and um, Jake, the Jags fan who uh, listens to the podcast was sort of getting pretty excited for the homecoming, but no, the Atlanta Falcons are the landing spot. Any, any, any thoughts on this, this move? Uh, it's a little bit of a strange one if he's only going to play one more year. I do think the Falcons are an ascending team, and I do think there is a chance that they, uh, you know, in a couple of years are able to turn it around, especially if they're able to in some way get a um, a QB, whether that's with Ritter or someone else. So maybe there is a sort of argument for him to, to have made a kind of move there to an ascending team, but I, I can't see them being hugely competitive this year. So, and it feels like he was only going to play one more year. So, it, it's an interesting move from from his perspective, but I know apparently Arthur Blank reached out to him and talked a lot about the work in the community in Atlanta, and so maybe he's sort of I know he's motivated by the, by other things, um, not just football. So uh, maybe there was something to do with that. But it is a strange one. I, I would have loved to have seen him back at, back in uh, back in Baltimore. Yeah, me also. Uh, born in Denver, Colorado, uh, went to Miami. So. Um, to other places it, it could have gone and um, which isn't the Atlanta Falcons but Atlanta Falcons is the landing spot right okay Shane are you comfortable I'm comfortable James we're handing the podcast over to you now um, draft preview then James how do you want to how do you want to attack this how um, we've got some positions of need do you want to just sort of run through the positions talk about your favourite guys and me and Shane will will chip in um, with any hot takes we've got, which will probably be something to do with their names. Um, <laughs> not, to, not to go ahead of that. 
I think so. I think we should probably hit on the, I mean, the first thing to say is um, uh, everyone, uh, hopefully everyone listens to the podcast, read my draft guide last year. Uh, there is no draft guide this year, unfortunately. Uh, lots of stuff happening in my life that means uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to um, to spend the kind of time on the guide that I want to. But I have spent this year kind of um, sort of looking at my process and honing the way I, I, I evaluate players. So I am certainly going to uh, release a guide again next year um, that will hopefully be a, uh, a step step up from last year. I've kind of spent a lot of time this year sort of, yeah, like I said, changing my process. So I certainly haven't um, gone in as de- as much depth as I normally would go on some of these players, but I- I've certainly um, watched a-, a good amount of tape on some of these guys to be able to form an opinion and, and be able to give us like a, at least some kind of preview of the positions of need, I think, going into this draft and the, the sort of the players that are there. Um, and then once we come back in a couple of weeks for the post-draft um, episode, I'll I'll have done um, a good amount of work on the guys that the Ravens do actually end up drafting and and be able to give you a, a real, um, you know, really get, sort of give you what I think of those players. Um, so I think definite caveat there that when I'm talking here, this isn't necessarily based off, you know, like last year I felt like I really nailed Kyle Hamilton in the in the draft guide. I kind of got down exactly the, the player he is and the player he's become at the Ravens. Um, it's But I, I watched a lot of tape to be able to get to that, to that opinion. So... Uh, just a kind of disclaimer here that you're not necessarily getting uh, the same uh, robustness of opinion that you got last year. Um, yeah. just very, okay, just very quickly then before you get into it, straight off the top, straight off the top, uh, realistic player for the Ravens. Um, who 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 is your going to sleep happy that night that the Ravens have picked this guy across uh, across any positions? And don't give me a shotty answer of um someone who's very clearly going to go in the top 10 give me some give me something realistic that you're going to be happy with i mean i i if anyone's watched draft day there's the the movie there's the uh the famous post-it note with Vontae mack no matter what mine would probably say zay flowers no matter what who is the wide receiver out of boston college who i'm a huge huge fan of um so i, I would I would love if the Ravens. I would be very happy if we went if I went to bed on Thursday night with Zay Flowers in the bag. Zay Flowers. Okay, so let's start with let's start at wide receiver. Then it's um, we think it's still a position of need. I'd argue that your your second one there cornerback. I'm with Shane. I think I'd rather see us uh, take cornerback um, this year and just make that defense even nastier. Um, but let's let's go with wide rec- receiver as position. One, you've got um, Zay Flowers. What what else is in there um, that, that's looking like a, a possible home run for the Ravens? It's interesting because I, I normally, sometimes I listen to um, kind of UK-based podcasts to like uh, hear some stuff about leading up to the draft. I kind of like to see what the kind of, I, I like to see, look for UK analysts that sort of know what they're talking about. And there are a few and far between. There are some really good ones that you, people should definitely go out there and, and look at. Ollie Hodg- Hodgkinson, who works for Pro Football Network, is um, is a Brit and you should go and read his stuff. He's great. Uh, and there's a, there's a few other guys. But I think uh, I sometimes listen to some podcasts and they, all they talk about when they talk about the draft is they sort of talk about this guy and they're like, okay, his height's this and his weight's this. Well, Based on his height, his weight, and his forty time, he's probably going to play this position. And it's kind of like, oh, and he's a big guy, so like, they literally just talk about what the guy looks like rather than. Actually- James, you realise this is our podcast without you, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you realise when you can't make it, this is all, all we're doing is, is that. Well, he's large. 
Well, this will this will help you then, because unfortunately, there is no way of avoiding talking about size with this wide receiver class. Um, it is historically tiny. Um, like there are, there is one guy who kind of who will be a, a higher pick who sort of stands out as a as a. Uh, so Quentin Johnston, who's 6'2", 208 pounds, like he's a prototypical size ex-wide receiver. Um, I, so he's the guy who I described at the start of the year as a, heard a scout once describe um, a wide receiver. They didn't say who it was um, in a previous draft as uh, looks like Tarzan, plays like Tarzan, had his hands cut off. And um, unfortunately, that is Quentin Johnston in this draft for me. He's, I mean... Maybe he fixes those issues. There's lots of people talked about concent- he's got concentration drops. I-, I disagree. I think he has some fundamental technical flaws with catching the football that won't necessarily get fixed um, unless he works on it and get- works on those getting fixed. When he does catch the ball, he's an absolute nightmare to bring down in the open field. He'll run through guys, he'll run around guys. He's phenomenally gifted athletically, but his hands just aren't there for me. And it's a massive gamble if you take him. I think he has the tools to be a side note for listeners. James hates TCU. So <laughs> anyone, anyone who's coming out of TCU, James will always mark down. However, I do agree. I do agree that um, the, the last thing the Ravens need um, is somebody that can't catch him. We've, we've, we've been through this seemingly a hundred times and, um, yeah, let, let's get someone, uh, someone whose first name is Safe Hands. I've got any Safe Hands coming through. I always, I always refer to myself at, at work as Safe Hands Gaz for some reason because I, I seem to catch things, um, mainly cards and COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Safe Hands Gaz, Safe Hands, a really good name for a potential wide receiver. It's a very good name. Yeah. I don't think there are any Safe Hands is in this draft, unfortunately. <laughs> No, and there are also several, um, you know, <laughs> bombs that you can. It's like um, Minesweeper. This draft class for wide receivers, you are play, but played not where you like reduce all the number of mines down to like three and and have a massive grid, and then you don't find any mines. Like there's a lot of mines in this class um, in terms of their hands. Like there are a lot of guys who who have some technical deficiencies and flaws with their hands. Even Zay Flowers has some technical issues with his hands that I, I think are uh, minimal and that he can fix um, or look more easily fixable to me. But even he has some issues with his hands. Uh, the, the the guy who is the safest pick in this draft from a wide receiver's perspective is is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who um, is the wide receiver out of Ohio State. He had a injury last year, a hamstring that lingered throughout the year, and so he didn't play very much. But the year previously, on the same team as Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was probably the best receiver out of the bunch. Um, so he's he's a guy who is probably the safest pick. He is probably mostly going to be a slot wide receiver when he gets into the league. So you're not looking at a typical outside guy, Watch but at least exactly. And he will play some outside. Um, he has played a little bit outside at Ohio State, but he's a he's a really great separator in terms of his movement skills. Um, so I really like Smith and Jigba. I also kind of like Addis, Jordan Addison, who's um, out of uh, USC, but he transferred from Pitt. Um, a guy who really knows how to get open deep. He knows how to manipulate defenders really well. He he he's um, he's really smart with the way he plays receiver, and uh, I really like the way he he sort of gets open. He's sort of a kind of Calvin Ridley type, um, 
probably a number two guy, but a guy that could probably play a bit of X would probably play some flanker. Um, he's a, he's a, he's an interesting guy and another guy that'll go in the first round. I think the Ravens do seem to be high on these receivers that, like I said, my prize really is Zay Flowers, who for me has really elite movement skills, his explosion. The, the kid is phenomenal. Like he's got great character. Um, he apparently is a bit of a spark plug. I love the fact that at Boston College, he was he was the guy at Boston College. There was no one else at Boston College, no one particularly throwing him the football that was worth writing home about. No other kind of receivers or tight ends to really to really to really dominate. He was the guy. Everyone knew he was getting the ball, and they still couldn't stop him. Um, he's on the small side, but that doesn't stop him from playing outside. Like he he will be able to play outside in the NFL. Um, he plays far bigger than his size. He goes up and makes some contested catches that are ridiculous for the size he is. Um, so I really like Zay Flowers. But then again, there is also the option that you sort of wait around. The Ravens would have to go. I think there's going to be there's going to be a flurry probably going in the second, early third. So the Ravens would have to either get up a bit or trade back a bit. But you could make an argument for some other guys. I like Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. He's a guy. He's a one of the few guys that actually could play X. He's got some decent size. I think he's. Um, I think he's uh, sort of six foot three. So he's a, he's an interesting guy. Um, I like Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma as well, and Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. So there's some there are some guys later on, sort of into the second third round range, that the Ravens might might be looking at if they want to address a different position. As as I think I'm sort of in a bit of agreement with you guys. I think corner probably does now rise to a slightly bigger need than receiver, um, and I would still consider edge rusher. And I know we'll talk a little bit about them as well. So Smith and Jigba, is he likely to be there at 22? Um, it's mixed, really. When you look at the kind of opinions out there in big draft media, it's kind of a mixed bag. Probably not. But then again, it's a tough one because the, the thing with Smith and Jigba that is sort of stopping him from being uh, someone who sort of grabs the headlines and is going to be like a top 10, top 10 pick is the fact that he's got about sort of four five four five five speed, um, so he's not a blazer, and obviously he's also not a big guy. So there's you know there's probably some people that think he's he's only ever going to be Hunter Renfro. I, I don't think that's who he's going to only ever going to be. I think he could be more than that in the league. Um, uh, Matt Waldman, who uh, does the rookie scouting portfolio, who um, uh, I really respect uh, Matt's opinions. Like he's got such a brilliant process. Um, he says um, sort of his upper com- com- comparison is Greg Jennings, um, which is the old Packers wide receiver, which obviously Greg Jennings was a lot more than kind of a s- sort of s- just a slot receiver. So I do think that's a kind of, that's, you know, somebody that could, he could be. But then again, I think it does seem like teams are all over the board on him. So there is a chance that he drops down the, the board slightly um, and is the first, re- you know, you think about that class when we drafted Hollywood Brown, that was full of some really interesting guys. Actually, there was AJ Brown was in that class, DK Metcalf was in that class, and Hollywood was the first receiver off the board at sort of twenty in the twenties to the Ravens. So, I could see a situation where that happens again. I could also see a situation where someone pulls the trigger a lot higher, and the Ravens have no shot at him. But they've definitely got a shot at Addison, Flowers, and all these other guys. JSN might just be a little bit out of reach. So, I think um, Zay Flowers. I think he's been in Kansas City the, yesterday or today, um, especially just to practice with Patrick Mahomes. They feel like someone who may come up and get him, and that just feels like the, the straw that broke the Ravens' fans back. If the if Kansas City somehow end up jumping them and taking this 
um, worldy, worldy player off the Have you got a comp for Zay Flowers? Anyone in the league that he, he particularly reminds you of? So I don't love comps. So I don't, I usually look at other guys, comp, other, like, other, um, uh, evaluators, comps for players. And, um, so if you're going to go to, if we go to Matt Waldman again, who's the guy I probably trust the most, he comps Matt, uh, Zay Flowers to Jalen Waddle. Now I, okay. I don't quite see all the way to Jalen Waddle. I, I, I absolutely adored Waddle coming out. I thought he was just the most explosive in and out of his breaks wide receiver I'd ever seen on tape. So I, I can't quite get there, but I see where he's coming from on, on that front. Um, th- there's also the, the chance, you know, with Zay Flowers that he turns out to be something out like he, he turns out to be a, a, like a smaller school receiver that does, and a smaller guy that doesn't actually quite make it in the end. We've seen a lot of those guys come in and out of the NFL, but honestly, if the Kansas City Chiefs, sorry, I'll try and channel Ian, if uh, Kansas <laughs> drafts, Say flowers, where we can all go, go, go crying into the night. Okay, so look, Kansas City have drafted Zay Flowers. So we, we've got our um, shiny new cornerback that we drafted in the first round to to go up against him. Um, how's how's the, how's cornerback looking, and and where do the Ravens stand in the draft with, with this position group as well? Um, I, I sort of the cream of the crop going to be gone by the time the Ravens are picking, or. Um, do a few of the top guys look like they're going to be dropping down to us? Yeah, so the, the corner is an interesting position. So as although wide receiver is sort of widely thought of as not a great wide receiver class, like I've mentioned, I think it's better than people think. And I also think it has the potential. Like if some of these guys actually fix some of their issues with their hands, this receiver class has the potential to be like that. Hollywood Brown class where everybody thought they wouldn't be good and, and they ended up actually being really good. So there is some some chance there with some of those guys. There is you pretty much universal opinion that this is a very, very strong cornerback class. Um, and so the Ravens are definitely in a good position. It does match up with their need. And we're going to talk about Edge Rusher in a second. That's also a very, very strong position in this draft class. So that's really helpful. Um, that can go one of two ways on draft night. Sometimes teams think that they can get a guy later on that they really like. So they forsake them early on. Or you get a guy early on because there's there's the talent there. And I think this class does have the talent at the top end. The Ravens are in a weird spot, I think, for corner in this class because they're not going to get a shot at Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon, who are definitely the two kind of big prizes of this cornerback class. Um, Gonzalez would be um, great for the Ravens. like That would be a beautiful fit, I think, with Christian Gonzalez. Um, so it then comes down to, does Joey Porter Jr. last to the Ravens? And there's a bit of, would be a bit of a storyline there because Joey Porter Jr. is the son of Joey Porter, Pittsburgh Steelers legend. Um Joey Porter Jr. plays corner like you'd think his dad would. <laughs> um, just <laughs> beats the crap out of people at the line of scrimmage. It's it's just, yeah, he's, he's a physical, physical guy with ridiculously long arms. He has prodigious length. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, I, he, he is still like a little bit, um, he's a little bit undisciplined still. Um, so there's there are some kind of things with him. But I think, and he, and you probably want to get him, get him into a scheme which doesn't necessarily fit that well with Mike McDonald's defense, where, he, where he's just a bump and run guy, really. Like that's where he's going to be best. Um, and I'm not sure the Ravens do as much of that as they did um, previously. They played more zone last year, so they do probably need to get a bit more of a versatile corner. There's also the chance that Joey Porter is not going to be there, and um, that someone pulls the trigger a bit earlier. So then you're starting to get into the next tier of corners. The guy I probably like the most out of the next tier of corners, but I'll I'll 
I'll preface this with saying that I like with corners. I like guys. I like foot, guys with great footwork, and I also I'm also a bit prejudiced towards speed at corner at the corner position, um, which would lead me to really like Deontay Banks out of Maryland, uh, which would be a great story. That, uh, I think he grew up in Maryland as well. Um, in fact, I think he grew up in Baltimore, not not far. From, I think it might have been not far from Owings Mills actually. Um, but he's a no, actually, I don't think that's somebody else. But he definitely grew up in Baltimore, so that'd be a really great story. Um, he's got great length. He has um, four three speed. Uh, he's a really great mover. Like he just is really smooth mover as a corner. Like I, I think he probably again needs to probably add a bit of discipline to it to his to his play style. But he's just you know he, the athleticism he has. He's a really competitive dude. He's really physical. Uh, I think he's scheme diverse. So I think he'd be really, I think he would be great for the Ravens. Um, if he gets there, the tools might mean that he doesn't get to the Ravens. And then the other guy that I just wanted to quickly touch on was Emmanuel Forbes, who, um, is just a ridiculous playmaker. Apparently, I think he has over the last six years of play. So high school and college, he has 30 interceptions. Um, he had 14 at, uh, Mississippi State. And he housed, was it six of them? I think he's, did he, I think he scored six touchdowns. Maybe not, maybe not six, but he scored a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. The kid just like took these interceptions back to the house. He's really fun to watch. Um, he's, he's very, very thin. He's like the Devonta Smith of corners. Um, but he's reasonably long. Uh, he's just a brilliant kind of, mental processor he just really processes the game really well but can be a bit aggressive at times i kind of like those types of corners so he's an he's an intriguing guy um as well for the ravens but the thing with the corner class is there's just there's a there's a number of guys you could look at further down the board there's kenny ringo from georgia dj turner's got ridiculous speed um clark phillips out of utah the two south carolina guys darius rush and cam smith and um, tariq stevenson from miami like there's there's a there's a real laundry list of corners that you consider throughout the draft. And I think it's the classic one where Eric DaCosta would say, you can get, we can get a corner in every round sort of type thing. Um, so he might, they might take that into account with their decision in the first. Shane, where's your, where's your head at here then after uh, James' discussion between uh, wide receiver and cornerback, which way, which way you lean in? Have you, have you got a guy in this draft that you, you particularly like? Uh, I know nothing about, any of these guys so no i absolutely have no i have no guy in this draft who i'm hoping for i mean i suspect i think the ravens want more picks so i really wouldn't be surprised if they trade back either to the end of the first round or into the top of the second um and that's you know like i say it's not based on any kind of assessment of the talent that i expect to be there it's just sort of the Ravens weighing up the value. I can see them thinking that that's the thing to do. Um, on the other hand, they're always going to go best player available. So if the best player on their board at 22 is a guy who they think isn't going to be there if they trade back, they're going to take him, even if it's an edge rusher and all the fans will be furious that they didn't get uh, either of the big gaps filled. So I think they're, they're going to go best player available or they're going to trade back. Um, I kind of think in terms of where I'd like them to go, I think this defense is basically good enough and I'd be pretty happy to pick up Marcus Peters, who's still out there, um, and they could pick him up on a cheap deal. Uh, and I'd quite like them to take a, the best wide receiver available at 22 because I do think they need a young um, 
someone who's not injured to come in to, to that receiver room and, and balance things out a little bit. Um, I don't think you're going to get someone who's uh, an every game starter at 22, but you are going to get someone who's going to have a bunch of good games and be a strong contributor. And that's they probably need more talent on wide receiver than they do a defensive back, I reckon. But just, um, just so so hideous at drafting wide receivers. We just, we, like this, like Hollywood was okay, but then you look at who was else. We, we've just talked about uh, DK Metcalf. I was in that that class two years later. All the Ravens fans are saying, "Please trade for DK Metcalf." It was on the border with Pitts Marquis Brown. AJ Brown was on the border with Pitts Marquis Brown. Um, yeah, Debo being, Samuel. Yeah, when a bit later, obviously. Good, but he's being injured. It's um, showing, yeah, showing signs that, that we just, that, and maybe I'm just a a, a hurt Ravens fan. But um, this just, is the worry when people look at the 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 draft class and they say, "Well, it's not a great wide receiver draft class," but the Ravens seem to be higher on these wide receivers than everybody <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much store I'd put in that, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing there. Um, but I mean, that was the, 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 he, he phrased it terribly, but Eric DeCosta addressed this at the, um, at the combine, didn't he? Where he was saying, you know, that, that, that they hadn't drafted particularly well in their history. But I think DeCosta seems to have hit on the idea that really it's been that they haven't taken enough swings and that ultimately teams, that appear to have done better at drafting wide receivers have just drafted more of them than the Ravens. Yeah. And that, I think, is the issue. That if you're going in, you know, the Ravens typically have gone in and drafted a defensive lineman every year, and then people go, they're really good at producing good defensive linemen. Yeah, because they just keep picking them. The same with tight ends. So I think that you've you've got to keep going back to the well or whatever analogy you want to choose. So I think... I, I wouldn't be that surprised if they did that, but um, they're like I say, they're always going to go value. They're not going to go in thinking we need a receiver, so let's take the best wide receiver who's there. Look, look at the Steelers' history. That's the thing I always say. People think the Steelers are great at drafting wide receivers. They hammered receivers early, and they hammered them first, second round. Like they didn't wait till the end of the third round to take guys. You look at. Like their receiver drafting history is littered with mistakes as well as great players. You know, it's littered with James for every Deontay Johnson. There's a James Washington for every, actually, Martavis Bryant would look like he might do something. Martavis Bryant ended up not really doing much. Chase Claypool, who they traded away, just looks like a big dude now. Like there have been a few, there have been a few kind of questionable decisions by them, but it's fine because they just keep swinging. And, and I think that's the, that's what Eric DeCosta is kind of getting at. And that's why. I do think it probably will be a receiver, and I think they'll pre- it'll be premeditated because he's made some picks that are best player available, like Cal Hamilton, and he's made some picks that are premeditated. Queen and Hollywood Brown sort of come to mind as guys who he just seem to target um, at a certain position. Okay, so um, it's looking like the Ravens are going to draft best player available, and this makes um, all this preview seem quite pointless. What, what we'll do is we'll just uh, quickly it will. Uh, go back to James and address the other um, sort of position of need. James is Rick quarterback on this draft preview. I am not going down that rabbit hole tonight. So <laughs> if if we draft a quarterback in the first round, we'll come, we'll come back on the draft recap and talk about that. Um, James, if there are any other positions, you, any other guys that you particularly like that you want to throw in there, we'll come to you for edge and um, other positions. And then Shane, just so you can be prepping, we'll then finish the show off with your 
2023 NFL draft name rankings. Um, if you want to prep your top five, top 10, however many you've got, um, prepared. Um, before that, um, James, um, if you can, sorry, I just realized we're an hour and 15 in. We've not had any in domain sighting. So, um, <laughs> the fans are going to be furious. <laughs> I'm sure you're starting to get a bit sad. So let's, let's power through this. Um, Edge, what, what, what how yeah. are we looking at Edge at 22? I'll be quick and cover Edge and a, and a few other positions. I think so. Edge Rusher, uh, he's definitely a possibility for the Ravens if, it, if we are talking best player available. I still think it's a sneaky need for the Ravens. Um, you know, there's still very little proven players in that room um, that you would sort of hang your hat on and say these guys are gonna are gonna get plenty of sacks next year, and they, they haven't brought back Justin Houston yet. So th- it does feel like uh, it's a sneaky position of need. It's also a good class for Edge Rushers. The Ravens will definitely not get a look at Will Anderson or, or Tyree Wilson. Certainly not Will Anderson, despite what Eric DeCosta said at his at the press conference. Uh, I think Lucas Van Ness will probably be gone as well, and maybe even Nolan Smith. If any of the, if Nolan Smith or Lucas Van Ness drop, I think that's definitely something that the Ravens would look at. Two very different players, but that really fit the Ravens. Van Ness is a bigger defensive end, two two seven eight two seventy eight. I think he is. Um, Nolan Smith a bit on the lighter side, but ridiculously athletic, like jump out of the gym, run out of the gym, athletic Nolan Smith and played at Georgia. So played in that kind of scheme that, that uh, sort of multiple scheme that will work really well with the Ravens, low productivity, but we know that's not necessarily what matters at Georgia. Um, there's a few other guys down the list. You know, there's uh, Sorry, Miles Mo- quick. Sorry, I didn't know if you were still on edge or coming off edge. Um, right. Just, just a point on that. Um, do you think the Ravens are looking at this as, um, They've got the, their their edge this year with David Jabo from last year, which they thought they weren't going to get, and this is maybe a reason why we're not going in that direction. They certainly could look at that, and especially as a Jabo will probably feel like a first round, an extra first round pick this year. And I think they said that when they drafted him, they felt like actually he would come back, like he'd come back last year, which he did, but that he'd really come into his own. The, the next year and they feel like they get an extra pick the next year. So I, I, that's definitely a possibility. I just think that there is, there is a chance that, um, you know, some of these players, some, some, there, there is, there is a chance a good player is going to drop around there and it could be a, it could be an edge rusher. Um, and that's why I mention it. I'll quickly touch on some of the other positions. Um, not going into too much detail. It will be interesting if, the, if the Ravens do decide to trade Lamar or, Lose him on a non-exclusive franchise tag because there are some intriguing quarterback options in this class. Um, certainly the three at the top, um, are, 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 you know, for me, I, I am a massive Anthony Richardson fan. I've talked about it already on the podcast, but I also like Bryce Young a lot as well. He's a bit of a magician uh, and CJ Stroud too. Um, but the other, the other things to mention, uh, a few other things to mention. This is a spectacular tight end class. I feel like the Ravens are going to feel <laughs> awful that they're probably going to miss out on this tight end class. It's, it's full of like, oh, it's just full of guys that you would potentially. Ozzy Newsom will be licking his chops. So there's there's tight end class. There's there's a there's a type for everyone in this tight end class. Um, so uh, yeah, that's a that's a bit of a, probably be a disappointment for the Ravens. Uh, it's not a bad defensive tackle class either. There's a chance as well that some of those guys might drop, and I do feel like the Ravens will always try and address defensive line. Brian Brissy, um from Clemson, who we just haven't seen the best of in his final years at Clemson, but is a is a really interesting guy given um his background and his kind of like um uh his pedigree. Kalaja Kansi is a, a pretty much a strict pass rusher, but an interesting guy too, and Maisie Smith from from Michigan too. So there's 
there are some interesting guys on the defensive line that I think they'll consider. Um, guard and center, not as much of a kind of, a th- I think there is obviously a needed guard at interior offensive line, um, but not necessarily the guys that you'd look for in this class. Although if a guy like Steve Avila from TCU uh, drops to the Ravens, I'd be pretty happy with Steve Avila uh, just to prove I've not got a, a TCU bias. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of Steve Avila. Uh, offensive lineman. And I also actually quite like Kendra Miller. This is a good running back class, Kendra Miller out of TCU as well. Um, so this is a good running back class, but which is why I thought it was odd that the Ravens sat, re-signed uh, Justice Hill because I thought they might go and get a, a running back in this class because some of them will end up dropping. Uh, and, you know, you get a guy like, to put a guy like Ty J Spears next to uh, to Dobbins, if Spears dropped to the, the third round would be, yeah, it would be spectacular. I'm a big Spears, Spears fan, but um, yeah, there's, I feel like that's probably not going to be the case. And if it was, it might be a bit of a wasted pick given the stable that they've got um, in the room now. I'm also like you, a big Spears fan, Britney Spears. Um, <laughs> went to see a tribute of her a couple of weeks ago in the in the local venue. And it was a quite a spectacular night. I went in a... Um, <laughs> I went in my Britney Spears cut-off shirt, which I cut a little bit too short, so no matter which way which way I move it, one of my nipples is on show. <laughs> nice. um, it's funny, that's I mean, what Ty J Spears wears at practice as well. I that's think. good. good <laughs> um, I think we still need to think the Ravens might not just draft the tight end um, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Ravens' uh, best play available. I mean, this is all going to seem really silly when uh, the Ravens trade back to collect picks. But Shot has already said it, it wants more picks. Um, it feels like, sorry, EDC has already said he wants more picks. It feels like the year that the Ravens are going to trade back into the second, end up with one of these running backs on the tight end and um, DeAndre so, Hopkins about the sounds of things. So let me, let me tell you, there is, so <laughs> in this tight end class, so they are, they are looking for a blocking tight end, right? So in this tight end class, there is Darnell Washington, who um, is uh, 6'6", 264 pounds. He's like a close to being an offensive tackle. Um, he Most didn't, Ravens player I ever. Mean, uh, <laughs> interestingly, though, is that there are a few blocking tight ends. that be, They may consider one later down the line. Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan is a really good tight end that's going that's probably the best blocker in this class. So there's there's some options there, but... <laughs> I can imagine it'll be uh, it'll be like that gif with Donald Glover on Twitter if, um, if the Ravens draft a blocking tight end in the third round. Uh, what, what do we think here? Do, do we think we're making the pick at um, twenty two, or do you, do you see them going back? Is it is it all a, is it all it's all speculation? But is it all depending on how the board falls on the night? Do you think? I think it, I can't see. I actually can't see a real blue chip talent falling to the Ravens in the same way Cal Hamilton did last year. Um, they're in a weird spot in this draft. I think it's either going to be a premeditated pick like a wide receiver like Zay Flowers, who they have apparently had a lot of interest in. Apparently they were plastered to him at the um, at the East West Shrine Bowl, uh, East West Shrine game, which by the way, he... So obviously, I just want to share this quick story about Zay Flowers. So he is a really, really loyal guy, apparently, uh, and that was borne out by the fact that the Senior Bowl is the big, obviously the big sort of postseason showcase for draft prospects. If you get invited to the Senior Bowl, you absolutely go. It's properly it's televised on ESPN. It's on the NFL Network. It's huge. It's a big thing. Um, Zay Flowers wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl um, a couple of years, sort of in his in his sophomore year, in his year before he came out. He was invited to the East West Shrine game, which is a slightly lesser game. He was then played well enough his final year to get invited to the Senior Bowl 
turned the senior bowl down because he'd already committed to the East West Shrine game, which I just love about him. But anyway, he, um, they were very close to him on that, on that, in that game. And so, uh, it might be that they are sort of going, uh, that's where I think it's either a premeditated pick with a wide receiver like him or it's a trade back because they are in that spot in this draft where the kind of the talent isn't quite the same as sort of higher up the draft and you can get the same kind of guy. I feel at 30, 40 that you can get it at 22. So maybe we do see a trade back and they pick up more picks, which DaCosta has said he wants to do. He wants more picks in this draft. So. Right, Shane, before we get out of here then, um, we look forward to it every year. It's the uh, annual <laughs> draft name rankings. Um, how, what, how, how, was the, how was the class this year? It's actually kind of a thin class this year. I was a little <laughs> bit disappointed that uh, there's not more talent coming through. I think last year was a little bit stronger. Um, but there is, you know, there are some, some, some good people. Um, and, uh, overall, I mean, we tweeted a bunch earlier this week, so I'll give you my top three plus one of my other favorites. So my favorite outside of the top three is Chancellor Brewington, who <laughs> sounds like, sounds like a guy who is absolutely plotting to destroy an orphanage somewhere, um, with only a plucky group of children. Trying to thwart his plans. Uh, he's a uh, he's a wide receiver out of Nebraska, so keep an eye on him. Uh, top three, Scrappy Norman at number three. Uh, it's the combination, like you know. Sometimes you get like the awesome name is the combination of the two. It's the juxtaposition of Scrappy and Norman that makes it. Um, he's a tough player. He's uh, he's certainly tougher tougher than his uncle Scooby Norman, who is a, a renowned coward. Um, but uh, he's a defensive back. Um, he's a defensive back from Colorado Mesa, uh, who's worth having a look for if the Ravens want him. Um, now there's a, someone whose parents should definitely have looked this up in the dictionary. At number two, Devious Christman. Um, devious. I mean, there's a lot of names where you think I can see what they were going for there. I can see what they were looking for. There's, there's no positive connotation of devious, is there? There's not like a version of that where you're thinking, no, actually, that's quite a cool thing to call someone. Like being called devious is always bad. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. But anyway, devious Christman, um, from Bethel, Tennessee. He's a cornerback. Uh, but the absolute favorite, I mean, this is, he's, he's so far ahead, complete slam dunk. Uh, number one on my board is Your Majesty Saunders. <laughs> Your Majesty Saunders, the offensive tackle from Jacksonville State. I mean, it's Y E apostrophe and then Majesty, in case you're wondering how to spell it. And there is not a sentence that you can come up with that doesn't sound brilliant when you put the name Your Majesty in it. Like, you know, you've got to do better with that block, Your Majesty. That's good. Have you, have, have you got a second, Your Majesty? Um, can I have one of your chips, Your Majesty? Like, there's no, there's no sentence that doesn't sound amazing. So just the coach's conversations, if he gets drafted, are just going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, so yes, but there are, there, there are a few others around. Um, some Taviuses this year. There's a Ron Tavius, a Ben Tavius, and just a Tavius. Uh, in this year it was quite <laughs> radical. I think people who, uh, are familiar with Barkevius Mingo may not know that Barkevius Mingo's brother is called Hugh Tavius. So there's like a whole <laughs> Tavius thing going on in the States. So we've got a, a Ron Tavius, a Ben Tavius and a Tavius. There's some good names around, but it's like your Majesty Saunders is definitely number one by some distance. Well, 
So that's, that's, and the, you know, that is just the sort of analysis you can expect from the UK River podcast. <laughs> um, 30 minutes of James giving us some like high quality, um, real insight draft analysis, followed by Shane. Five minutes on the funniest names in the draft. Welcome to the UK Rivers podcast listeners. Um, okay, let's get out of here. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're not going to be back with you before the draft. Uh, so we'll be here to the, the draft kicks off a week today, Thursday, the 27th of April, as we record. Uh, runs through the weekend. So we'll be back mon- the Monday, Tuesday, following the draft uh, to talk about how the Ravens of got on and hopefully um, oh, I'm, I'm sure Lamar Jackson may come up in conversation um, <laughs> throughout, throughout, yes. the, throughout that draft recap episode um, if you'd like to be involved with the show if you've got any um, great um, draft names you want to send us if you want to start scouting for next year um, the, I guess as soon as the draft's over the the next the next draft starts and we can start looking at the college prospects and, and get some names together for next year please email us as always at ukravenshow at gmail.com until two weeks time let's go Ravens thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast this podcast is created hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. is prodigious length.